And welcome to this edition of the First Place Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. It's not actually first place, but the Giants are in first place. I'm happy about that. We're going to talk about a lot today, not just the recap of this game. I'm going to talk about what the division looks like. I got a special message at the end and some analytics to top it off and the snap counts. So let's go into it. Uh, Giants, they won 19-17 against Cincinnati. Uh, Daniel Jones is hurt. There's a lot of you know headlines to talk about. And I'm going to get into that in my points to make. So let's get started. So for the positives, two sacks, three turnovers. One sack was credited to Leonard Williams. Another sack was credited to Jabal Sheard. And obviously, he created the sack, which was the forced fumble. Leonard Williams picked it up, and the game was over from there. Um, I have a couple negatives to go over, which led to that. Nico Lalos interception, Giants defensive end out of Dartmouth. He's on the practice squad now. They'll probably elevate him, hopefully, if uh, they do protections later this week. And, they, you know, they decide, you know what, let's elevate him. He had an interception. He was actually graded by PFF as one of the best rushers on the team, at least, you know, against the Bengals. So we'll see what he has. But, we, you know, we could use a rusher. It's not like, you know... Oh, uh, we have too many rushers. We have too many uh, linebackers. We have too many uh, defensive tackles. No, we could use. We're a young team. We're a rebuilding team. We could use pieces. Uh, Jabal Sheard, forced fumble sack. As I mentioned, Logan Ryan, forced fumble. That one forced fumble on Drew Sample. It was like when um, they got backed up because of the holding penalty. I think it was on Quinton Spain. He threw a pass to Drew Sample. Threw another one to Drew Sample, I believe. Logan Ryan forced it out. And the Giants recovered. Uh, That was big for them, even though the offense wasn't much on par, especially after Jones left the game. Lane Williams sack and fumble recovery. The fumble recovery for the Jabal Sheard sack, which ended the game. Evan Ingram had the best receiving game in a while with six receptions and 132 yards. Sterling Shepard, he's always in the mix. Love him too much. Uh, Also on my fantasy team. Six receptions, 84 yards. Wayne Gallman and company doing their jobs. I'll read down the list right now. Wayne Gallman, 24 carries, 94 yards, 3.9 per carry. And one touchdown, longest run was about 18 yards. Uh, that was the one coming out of the end zone. Dale Jones, six rushes for 19. Unfortunately, uh, his longest run was that seven-yard run, which he got injured on. Deion Lewis, two rushes for 10 yards. He also had that seven-yard run, which got the first down on that fourth down conversion. Alfred Morris, four rushes for eight yards. His longest run was for five. Colt McCoy, five rushes for seven yards. Longest run was a four-yard run. I think it was uh, when they were, like, rolling him out or it was, they were trying to rush him to the right side. Um, anyway, that didn't work out well, but that's not the point right now. Sterling Shepard, one rush for four yards. So, go to the receiving side. Evan Ingram, six receptions, 129 yards, no touchdown. Obviously, the 53-yard pass was the... Um, was the biggest and most longest on his record probably for this year because he's not done a lot of good things, but there's also negative to um, him getting six receptions, 129 yards. Shepard, actually, my mistake, seven receptions for 64 yards. Golden Tate, four receptions, 36 yards. C.J. Board, one for 11. Deion Lewis, one for seven. Wayne Gallman, uh, three for negative three. Um don't just look at the stats with that because Jason Garrett, I'm going to get it into the negatives. Stop with the bullshit play calling, man. Like, I know Colt McCoy was in the game and you pretty much had nothing on the plate. But a fucking screen, which was like negative seven yards. I mean, come on, man. 
we get we got to think better than that. And I'm gonna get into the, into the negatives. Darius Slayton, two targets, uh, no yards, no receptions. The one which he could have had, but also Daniel Jones threw it over, you know, a tip. Um, I think he could have had that if he dove out for it, but he didn't. And unfortunately, I don't know if they counted it as a drop, but it was a misplay there. It was a pretty nice uh, draw play or whatever. Not draw, like a drawn up play, uh, just going deep. I liked how we went deep, you know, just going there, but still conservative play calling. Isaac Yadom had a decent game. Other than the touchdown, you know, four receptions, I think, like, for 20 yards or something like that. He's improving. I am I still don't like him, but a good depth piece to possibly keep around next year if Gettleman is the GM. Bradbury, same game as usually has barely any receptions on him. Darnay Holmes also improving. He had the tip, which led to the Nico Lalos interception. Drew Preppers is improving every week. Two pass deflections and one tackle for a loss. You saw the one on the Alex Erickson run around. And then you had the one where Bradbury was in zone coverage. Green had a deep downfield route. Peppers came to that side, swatted it away. He's been improving. He really has. O-line gave up no sacks. Best game they've had as far as sacks goes. Um, Pretty good game. Lemieux didn't give up a pressure. Andrew Thomas didn't give up a pressure. Neither Nick Gates. So, it was from Zeitler, I guess, or Fleming. Fleming, he really had not a good game. And that's why when Matt Pert gets back at some point, um, that we need to start starting him. I mean, th- at this point, what is a offensive tackle that's nearing 30 years old good for if he's going to commit penalties? And he's not going to get rotated in and out. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, this Joe Judge in that. But come on. Cameron Fleming is not good. Um, as far as team stats goes, one turnover for the Giants, that was the Evan Ingram fumble, we'll get to that in a minute, three turnovers for Cincinnati, we held Cincinnati to 155 yards, and you know what, all the people that want to say, oh, you guys just faced Brandon Allen, uh, well, listen, they got three-star receivers in T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd, okay, if you want to, you want to, you know, be all this, uh, narrative in this, uh, what's the one word my brother used, this, uh, normal or I forget the word he used the casual aspect um three star receivers hello and you know people have really worked with star receivers and not good quarterbacks before so let's let's just take that into account um we had 386 yards I think this is the fifth game this season that we had over 300 total yards so which is a really good thing uh time of possession we did great 37 26 to 22 34 and we had 19 first downs compared to 11 for Cincinnati. Negatives. Started off with special teams. They sucked. They sucked. I'm sorry. They sucked. Graham Gano didn't even do that good. Made all the kicks great, but all the short kicks. That was unacceptable in my opinion. And I know, oh, he's coming off COVID. You know, he's going to be a little fatigued. Still not good. I mean, hopefully he gets it better next week. But I'm not going to, you know, tear the shit out of him. Special teams sucked in the aspect of the 103 kickoff return touchdown. A lot of missed tackles there. A lot. And Joe Judge probably tomorrow because I think they have the facility shut down the last two days because of COVID protocols. Um, He's going to ream into them. He really is. And I hope he does because apparently they don't watch the Joe Judge report where he goes over the special teams and the kickoffs. Everybody was saying, oh, why is Joe Judge going over kickoffs? Oh, really? He's a special teams coach. Why would he not go over it right now? 
Don't be stupid. Really don't. Um, in that 29-yard punt return by Alex Erickson, that could have easily, if uh, whoever didn't make the tackle, I'd have to go back and look. That could have been easily a touchdown or maybe in the field goal range. And the defense would have to work extra hard because they already had to work hard because Colt McCoy was in the game and the offense wasn't running efficiently. They had to rely on Graham Gano field goals. But it would have been even harder if they went into field goal territory because of special teams and they would have to pull them out. Because we know Randy Bullock can't make kicks from like 50 yards out. His leg is like done. Sebastian Janikowski done. Daniel Jones got injured. I'll make a statement at the end regarding, you know, all oh, the Giants. Should they play him? Should they not play him? And I, you know, uh, he's hurt. He has a hamstring injury. Apparently, he has a hamstring strain. There's like several bullshit reports going around. Ian Rappaport's reporting one thing. Jordan Ronan's reporting another. A lot of people are siding with Rappaport because of the way Jordan Ronan has been the last two weeks, especially with that content creating thing. And, you know, a lot of people, I guess, read his article and said that it was pretty bullshit compared to what Ian Rappaport said. So, uh, my thing on that before I get into real topics regarding that at the end is like, you know, Ian Rappaport, he probably has either more inside sources or he's part of the NFL, so I trust him. But also Jordan Ronan, he works for the team. So, you know, um, and also to note though as well, uh, ESPN, they have a lot of bullshit stories and these bullshit reports and these clickbait reports. So, you know, just like they're broadcasting, clickbait. The play calling was meh. Um, because you had the deep balls and then, you know, uh, we rolled Colt McCoy out. Like, I'm sorry, is he Patrick Mahomes now? We're rolling him out. Let's not put a circle into a square. Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy are not alike. Jones is a second-year quarterback that's mobile. McCoy is a veteran who's been playing since 2010. He cannot roll out. He's like 32. I'm sorry, you can't just do that. Listen, I know you're trying to... You know, put all these plays in because, oh, McCoy, he didn't get first reps in practice. But come on, man. And even, you know, with Jones in the game, what are these, you know, these slants and these check downs and these stick routes and these out routes? Stop with the conservative play calling, people. And I mean people, Jason Garrett. Stop. Go for the deep ball because the defenses are getting even more ready for that. You saw a couple of passes where Jones mistakenly threw it late and it could have been intercepted. The Golden Tate one to the right. You had a couple of stick passes, Golden Tate or whoever else. Stop with the conservative play calling. Because if, guess what? If Joe Judge figures out, you know what? Maybe Daniel Jones, if he's turning it over at the end of the year or if he's not doing something right, maybe it's because of Jason Garrett and the way he's calling plays. Then he'll get rid of you. Just like he did Mark Colombo. So stop with the conservative play calling. That's why the score was as close as it was. Because the offense wasn't supporting. And this is nothing on Daniel Jones. This is, you know, nothing. Maybe on Evan Ingram for a little bit. But, you know, he stepped up other than fumbling that. But it is time to stop with the conservative play calling against teams we should probably beat by 7 to 10 points. The Bengals defense is not good. That They probably had, like, one of their better games score-wise. Unbelievable. That Tate flea flicker too. Stop. He's not a quarterback. Put somebody else in there that could throw it deep. He doesn't have an arm. Eli has more of an arm than him. Man. That screen pass to Gallman too, as I just mentioned before. What are we doing there? They had so many guys on the left side, it was like a seven-yard loss, and we had to kick a field goal again. Man. The penalty is on Cameron Fleming. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to rip Joe Judge, even though... 
I kind of am, and I don't mean to, but get Cameron Fleming off the fucking field. Once Parrott starts coming in, he's less fatigued, he's ready, start him at right tackle. Because I'm pretty sure Cameron Fleming should not be around next year. And I don't know, I forget what his deal was. It was like a one-year $4 million or one-year $2.5 million. I don't care. Uh, he should not be around next year. He should not. This is no, you know, Kevin Zeitler situation. Oh, one more year, you know, he's still a solid guy. No! Fleming probably gave the most pressures on the team right now in that game. He had two penalties that cost us. You had the one holding or the false start. And then you had the holding at the end where, you know, it could have been a first down. You know, pulling it out, throwing to uh, Wayne Gallman. Okay, you had that play. And you know what? I said, you know what? It's the end of the game. We won finally. Nope. Holding. Offense number 75. 10-yard penalty. Replay. Third down. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me with this guy? Seriously. And on another note with those fucking refs, they nearly cost us as well. Don't bullshit me with this whole, oh, uh, it was a Giants fall. No, because Darnay Holmes had a beautiful pass breakup in the end zone. He's learning from his peers. Beautiful pass breakups. Nope, referee's going to throw the flag. They have to make their quota. They have to make the game interesting. That's what the NFL tells them to do. Man. Then you have Evan Ingram's fumble. I was so pissed at that. I thought he was down, but then when I saw it, I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You have to be kidding me. Yes, six receptions, 129 yards, but Evan Ingram is that guy who will do something good for you. He's like a Tyler Wade, and there's a lot of surprisingly Yankee fans that like him. Evan Ingram will do something good, and then he'll proceed to piss it away with something else. This is why I don't want him on the team next year. I know we need that Gronk, that Kelsey guy, that Kittle guy. The guy that can block and make good receptions as well. That's why. That's why. Because you have Toy Lolo. He's not a bad guy. Just a run blocker. He's no pass catcher. Ingram. Can't block. Makes the hard receptions but can't hold in the easy ones. He tried going for more yards. He slips and falls. Nope. Von Bell's got to knock it out. My God. This team is growing. This team really is. And, you know, we're starting to realize who's showing their head and who's not. Who's, you know, who's making the effort or at least who's going to be around for next year. If I were to bank on two people, it would be Cameron Fleming and maybe Evan Ingram. Maybe. Just maybe. Points to make. Isaac Yidom. He's getting better. Um, I don't have the official stats on it right now because Pro Football Reference doesn't come out with the stats till uh, usually Wednesday. But he's been getting better. I think he allowed four receptions other than the touchdown, which shouldn't have even happened because of the refs. Uh, but he's been performing better. He really has. And, you know, I didn't like him in the beginning. I really don't like him now as a number two corner. But, uh, hey, he's, you know, he's doing better than what Corey Ballantyne or Madre Harper would have done. He's doing better. I must say, he's made improvements. And this coaching staff is teaching. It's not like, you know, if Isaac Yadam was in the Pat Sherman regime, you know, they would just bench him, ah, get out of here. Or, you know, they would have just played him out there in his non-fit. Like, they kept putting Baker in zone last year when he's a man-to-man guy. Doesn't make much sense to me. That's why all the assignments he thought it was hard. Defense is trustworthy. I said this when I was on... The entertainer's stream on Sunday night. He deleted the video, I think, so you can't see it now for some reason. But um, it was with Nate Talks Giants. It was with Cop Pizzle. Obviously, this was like the near the end because he had the hub on. He had uh, a couple other guys on, really cool guys. 
Um, but I said to him, I said, this defense is trustworthy. So is Patrick Graham. And, you know, for all the people, oh, Patrick Graham, you know, I'm really worried about him getting hired as head coach next year. Well, honestly, a responsible team wouldn't do that. Nothing to knock against Patrick Graham, and I'm not being sarcastic like, oh, Patrick Graham sucks, you shouldn't take him. Then I would want him fired. But obviously everybody's trying to pose the sarcasm here because they want Patrick Graham to stay. And, you know, everybody was raving last year, oh, Robert Sala, you know, he should be the next head coach of this team and this team and this team. Well, he's trying to piece together what he has with the 49ers, but my point is don't base a coach off of one single season. But my point is, Patrick Graham learned off of that Philly game. We blew that. That was all defense there. We had a nice lead. Whatever you could say about Evan Ingram, fine. We blew a nice lead. And Patrick Graham said, you know what? Not going to happen again. Doesn't happen again. Or has it? You know, the defense really stepped up the last couple of games. Really has. Getting the sacks, covering well. I mean, the last game where we had somebody over 100 yards, truthfully, was Terry McLaurin. But, you know, that game, the defense stepped up in the end. Logan Ryan interception, Drew Peppers interception. You had the uh, interception by Blake Martinez. This team's coming together. So is this defense. Leave Daniel Jones out if need be. I know a lot of you want Daniel Jones in on Sunday. (laughs) And the Seahawks are a beatable team. And I'm going to make half of my point what I'm going to do later. For all the people that are saying, Oh, Colt McCoy, you know, he's going to get blown out you know, by the Seahawks. You know, their offense is good. Their defense is bad. But Colt McCoy starting. Y'all are casuals. You really are. And this has to deal, as I said, with another topic. But you guys on the outside, and I'm not talking Giant fans. I'm talking casual fans like you know, Jets fans and Bills fans and Steelers fans and Chiefs fans and all the guys who make fun of the Giants and the Eagles fans too. You don't know how Joe Judge has been in the locker room or coaching his team. We've gotten the recent scoops of it because we listen to the Beat Media's reports. You guys don't. You listen to all these big ass, you know, broadcasters that don't even make good points. I'm going to save the rest for later. But. If need be, if Jones is not ready to go, if he's not 100% healthy, leave him for Arizona. If Jones was in, I would say, okay, if he's fully healthy, we could beat Seattle. We could beat every team going out. Not at the same time, of course, because the Giants will lose one of those games. It's, you know, it's going to be there. But um, Arizona's beatable. Baltimore's beatable. Browns are beatable. Another point I'm going to get to later about the Browns, because a lot of people don't watch football. And they think that takes are the most responsible way to get attraction. And obviously, the Cowboys are beatable. And that's going to come up with the division. And I don't know where I put my paper. Yeah, I already got one to two wrong on here. That's because Washington decided to beat Dallas and help us out. (laughs) And I like Snacks' comment from yesterday, even though he's going to face us this Sunday. Snacks Harrison, who used to play for the Giants. Um, Obviously, the Seahawks beat the Eagles. And he goes, for Big Blue. That's funny. I appreciate him. I really did. I really hated when uh, they traded him. I really did. I'm like, a fucking fifth rounder? Are you kidding me? From one of the top interior defensive linemen in the game who stops the run? Man. Matt Parrott needs to start. I already said this. You know, Cameron Fleming, how many penalties? And allowing the pressures as well. Getting beat. 
you need to really put Matt Parrott in, or at least try out another rookie tackle, someone who's, you know, in here for the long term. Because stopgap veterans are not, they're not good. They're not good. And that's the only, or one of the only, moves this Giants team has made in terms of stopgaps. Teams like the Jets have made tons of stopgap deals. We made tons last year. Some of them didn't work. Some of them worked. Um, put in an extra tight end. And Evan Ingram got you know, injured at some point in the game. He walked off the field, but he came back. Um, but that's why I said you need an extra tight end. You can't run out with two tight ends. Because it's an uneven balance. You know, whether someone is like undeveloped, somebody is like, you know, not discovered yet. You had three tight ends on the practice squad. You had Nakia, uh, whatever the hell his name is. You had Nate Weeding, and you had another guy, Rice and John. So you need to defy that balance. Evan Ingram, if he's good at anything, it's pass catching. Levine Toilolo, run blocker. Pass blocker if need be. He's played right tackle before. He really has, back in Atlanta when they needed tackles. So, you need that middle guy who can catch and who can block. Even if they're undiscovered, you still need that balance. And as I mentioned before, all teams are beatable in the next five weeks. Competition is key. And I said this before. I said that even if we don't win the next five games, or maybe the games we should win, maybe the games we shouldn't win, or whatever... You know, we lose the Ravens, we lose to the Cardinals, we lose to the Seahawks. Competition is key. Staying in the game. We have been competitive legitimately all season. In every single game, except for the 49ers game. And even the first half was, I would say, competitive. So, that's the key going forward. Okay, so next topic to kind of really finish off this um, this Bengals-Giants thing. Let's go to the snap counts. Uh, some interesting stuff, though. So, people, or players, I should say, who played 100% of the snaps are Cameron Fleming, Nick Gates, Andrew Thomas, and Kevin Zeitler. Obviously, quarterbacks, no, because Colt McCoy came in. Uh, 96% for Evan Ingram, which is really high. 78% Sterling Shepard. 70% Shane Lemieux, because Will Hernandez got some time in, even though he started. 69% Darius Slayton. 63% Wayne Gallman, very good. 63% Daniel Jones. 57% Golden Tate. 48% Levine Toidolo. 37% Cole McCoy. 32% Will Hernandez. 27% Deion Lewis. 17% Elijah Penny. Also, to note, 21% Austin Mack. 11% CJ Board. And 10% Alfred Morris. Let's go to the defensive side now. Here are the players who played 100%. Blake Martinez. Logan Ryan, James Bradbury, Jabril Peppers, and Isaac Yadom. 71% Leonard Williams and Darnay Holmes. 69% Julian Love. 49% goes to Jabal Sheard. 47% Kyler Fackrell. He actually got injured with the calf injury. They'll see where he is during the week. 43% Dalvin Tomlinson. 41% BJ Hill. 39% Carter Coughlin. He had one good rush. I mean, I saw it on like uh, Talking Giants. That was pretty good. But he has young talent. Um, 27% Tate Crowder, trying to get him back into things. 20% Cam Brown. 16% Devontae Downs and Nico Lelos. 14% David Mayo and Austin Johnson. And 10% Xavier McKinney, five snaps. So they're trying to ease McKinney in there. He'll probably have more of a role next week. 
and even more of a role the week after, but pretty impressive. I'm surprised that Tomlinson only played 43%. Um, interesting, but I trust Patrick Graham and what he's doing. So uh, let's finish off with some analytics, and then I'll get to like my other stuff. Uh, Will Hernandez, he ranks third among offensive guards and run block win rate behind Quentin Nelson and Brendan Sheriff, 76%. Nick Gates ranks 10th among offensive centers with 72%. Behind Tyler Bidish of the Cowboys, Corey Lindsley of the Packers, Chase Roulier of the Washington football team, Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mason Cole of the Arizona Cardinals, Marcus Pouncey of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Frank Ragnow of the Detroit Lions, David Andrews of the New England Patriots, and Brandon Linder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Giants are 31st, 34% in pass rush win rate. Obviously, that's because they scheme it and they don't have one dominant rusher. The Giants are 18th in run-stop win rate, 30%. The Giants are 31st in pass-block win rate, 46%. And then the Giants are 13th in run-block win rate, 71%. Okay, so let's spare on and move from the Bengals aspect to the divisional aspect. So obviously this week, Giants won against the Bengals. Washington defeated Dallas. So it changes the outlook of what this division could look like at the end of the year. My projections, obviously, you guys saw was that Dallas was going to win the division as of right now. But obviously, that might change. So, let's take a look. Now, originally, my projections were on here. If you could see anything, uh, it's a bunch of markings. But originally, I had Washington losing to Dallas. Dallas would win about four of the next six. Obviously, that's not happening now because uh, they lost to Washington. So, let's go ahead and look at the new perspective and brighter side of things. So, obviously, Week 12 is over. Giants are 4-7. Washington's 4-7. Philly is 3-7-1. And, and Dallas is 3-8. and eight. Let's keep going from there. The Giants are with or without Daniel Jones. They lose against Seattle. Phillies at Green Bay. They lose. Dallas at Baltimore. They lose. Washington at Pittsburgh. They lose. So the standings, Giants are still in first place, 4-8. Washington's 4-8. Phillies 3-8-1. Dallas is 3-9. Week 14, Giants against the Arizona Cardinals at home. They lose. Philly at home against New Orleans. They lose. Dallas at Cincinnati. They win. And then Washington in Arizona against the 49ers, loss. So here's how the standings look from that week. Dallas 4-9, uh, NYG 4-9, Washington 4-9, so it's a three-way tie. But Dallas right now at that point would lead the division. Then Philly, 3-9-1. So at that point, they may be eliminated. But let's keep going. Week 15, Giants face the Browns, win. The Arizona Cardinals host the Philadelphia Eagles, loss being a loss for Philly. Dallas is home against the 49ers. They win. And then Washington against Seattle. They lose there, so the outlook of the standings pretty much uh, same but different. Dallas and the Giants are 5-9. and nine. Washington's 4-10. and 10, And Philly is 3-10-1. and one. Week 16. Almost every team loses but Dallas. NYG going to Baltimore. They lose. Philly going to Dallas. They lose. Dallas hosting Philly. They win. Washington hosting Carolina. They lose. So it's 6-9 Dallas, 5-10 New York, 4-11 Washington, 3-11-1 Philly. Let's keep going to week 17 now. 
So the Giants, they face Dallas, win. Philly hosts Washington, win. Dallas goes to New York, loss. Washington goes to Philly, loss. So the home team is basically winning, in my opinion. So, where are we at the final week of the season? 6-10, Dallas. NYG, 6-10. 4-11-1, Philly. And Washington, 4-12. So, even though that tie is saving them, if the Giants want a clean win of this division, don't want any tiebreakers, they want a clean win, at least according to my projections, they need to win another game other than Cleveland and Dallas. All these teams on our schedule right now, pretty beatable. We're not facing the Chiefs. We're not facing another strong, powerful, you know, really good team again. Now, the Seahawks are that. But it showed last night that they're not unbeatable. You know, they have some weaknesses. They made it close with Philly last night. I think the final score was like 23-16. So, the Giants, they need to win at least one of the games against Baltimore, Arizona, or Seattle. And going back to my thing on Daniel Jones, my opinion, leave him out. Arizona, in my opinion, is a more winnable game because if Bradbury can trail DeAndre Hopkins and they could hide the number two corner and not have the number two receiver get targeted as much, we can win. The Cardinals, they don't have Chandler Jones. Their defense is not very good. So if we could do what we do, we could finally beat a team over 500. That's not my projection right now, though. I need to see some movement that shows us, okay, so obviously we made some progression against the Seattle Seahawks without Daniel Jones, but we can definitely beat the Arizona Cardinals next week. I need to see that. Going to week 15, we can beat the Browns. As I said earlier, you know, people were saying, oh, it's a trap game. It's only one trap game. Yeah, they almost lost to a team that wants a quarterback in next year's draft. Mike Lennon was the starter. Come on, people. Like you, People get so caught up in their own bullshit that they end up spitting it out. Like, if you were to tell, let's just say, um, I don't know, the Jets play this team, okay? And Jets fans are like, you know what? We can win against this team. And they say, oh, um, this team lost to this team, which is very terrible. And we come out with the bullshit and say, oh, that team was, you know, they almost lost because it was a trap game. Don't feed the bullshit to me because I could smell right through it. Please. Week 15, obviously, I said the Browns. Week 16 against Baltimore, they're starting to fall a little bit, but I still think we'll lose. We'll be competitive, though. I think that's going to be the uh, theme down the stretch. Then week 17, we could beat Dallas. But again, it would be a tied 6-10. and 10. I don't know what a tiebreaker would look like. I don't know if we would have to do a game. I- I don't know if they would rely on like some different standings or whatnot. But I want a clean win for this team for the division. I don't want no tiebreakers. I don't want just, you know, Dallas slipping up. I would appreciate it if the Giants win another game. And even if they don't win the division, I'm still happy about this team going into next year. You make fixes at wide receiver, cornerback two, inside linebacker two, and maybe another position. Pretty good for next year. Maybe another tight end. Who knows? So let's get to my final point. And some message to Giant fans, really. Um, a lot of, obviously, you people guys, you know, within the last couple of weeks, you know, you guys have been fighting for Joe Judge on, you know, Twitter and Instagram. You know, 
I'm not telling you to push down. That's not what I'm telling you right now. But, you know, some of you are irritated based on these, like, stupid sports takes. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going to suggest this to most Giant fans. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just suggesting. I suggest that you start watching more of local uh, podcasts and, like, Talking Giants and the Clapback Sports and all those guys. All those guys that do the hard work. Because by watching this whole bogus ESPN, Fox Sports, you know, that crap, you're going to get yourself irritated. Okay? And I'm not saying, oh, just stick to your own team. Uh, just stick to talking Giants. Oh, because, oh, they uh, they talk about the Giants and, you know, they defend them. No, don't criticize the Giants. I'll criticize the Giants. Clapback Sports will probably cl- criticize the Giants. The point of that is, is that all these bogus sportscasters, they'll just say, oh, the Giants are bad. They have uh, they have seven losses. They have eight losses. They have nine losses. No. The podcast, including myself, will prove why they're so bad. Because reference back to the one episode where I had Justin Pentagon, we were talking about why Andrew Thomas, you know, why was he the right selection to the Giant fans? And Stephen A. was like, oh, you know, uh, Makai Becton, you know, uh, Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs and Isaiah Simmons were better picks than Thomas. You know, he was going after them. Justin Pennick said to me on the podcast, he goes, well, let's be honest, everybody. Stephen A. doesn't watch film. They don't watch film. They don't, you know, see analytics. And I'm getting this from another thing. Because yesterday I turned on the Michael K. show. And they were talking about how badly the Giants played, but they still won. So they were looking at the schedule down the stretch. And Michael K goes, oh, what games do they win? You know, they stink. Oh, really? Did you not watch football on Sunday, Michael? Did you not? So pretty sure the Browns nearly almost lost to a team that's trying to tank for a quarterback. A team that wants Doug Marone gone. A team that just fired their GM. Maybe they're winning games or trying to. I don't know. But let's see. They made it competitive against Philly. And they only beat one team over 500 this whole season. You guys want to, you know, the sportscasters want to make, oh, you know, the Giants, you know, they only beat uh, bad teams. They're not progressing. Oh, really? Because the Browns, last time I checked, and this was a meme, people said, when you're 8-3, and you don't care. They were referencing to the Browns. Because a lot of people don't know that the Browns are 8-3. and But they have one win against teams over 500. That was the Colts a couple weeks ago. They couldn't beat the Raiders. They couldn't beat the Ravens. I don't know what other teams they played. They couldn't beat the Steelers. That's all right. So, you bogus sportscasters, you could go say what you want about the Giants. You don't look at the beat reporters. You don't look at the reports. You don't look at anything. Because paid takes are what it goes and the entertainment and how it goes my suggestion giant fans start watching podcasts more and going back to you know um the jordan ronan thing and the ian rapaport thing a lot of people are starting to get sick of jordan ronan's crap they're tired of the beat media you know always providing their opinion over stats and they were refuting his point and saying well, you said it was a severe injury when he'll only miss a week. That's what you get with these guys. They put the big headline, and it's clickbait. 
They put the big headline. And you read the article and say, wait a minute, he's only missing a week though. He just got another view because you did that. And I'm not faulting you. I'm just saying. That's what you're going to get with these beat reporters, these ESPN guys, the guys who make fun of the content creators. Because the guys who actually do the work, the analytics, Vince Rapisardi, all those guys, they don't have jobs in like the general sports world. They have YouTube jobs. And let me tell you something. Going back to Jordan Ronan's comment, last time I checked, YouTube does not pay a lot. Because a lot of these sports guys, you know, the podcasters, even for like different teams, they have to work side jobs. Because just podcasting on like Podbean and all those other, you know, platforms doesn't get them the money to pay the bills, to put food on the table for their families. It's a shame in this world to end it off that the bogus sportscasters the guys who don't even prove their points and just say the big things just for entertainment. That they get more of a stand and get more of a voice than the people who do the work in the analytics. And I'm not saying, you know, those guys don't work hard sometimes. I'm not saying that they don't work hard. Listen, they got there somehow. But a lot of people forget how they got there. Jordan run on, especially when he made that content creating comment. That's the end of the episode, guys. Thank you guys for supporting. Our podcasts are available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Overcast, Castbox. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow our social media pages Epic Blue in the Bronx, Instagram, and Twitter. I have a big announcement coming up either on Friday or probably sometime next week. Probably going to be on Friday. And I'm excited to say it. Thank you guys for listening to me. Thank you guys for retweeting me and all the engagement that I do get. Thank you guys and again, we'll see you on Friday.